Thank you so much for joining us online today at Christ Covenant Church. We hope you sense God's presence and are encouraged by the message. Now, here's Pastor Ryan Weems. Uh, Daniel chapter 5 is where we are today. We've made it all the way to chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5, if you don't have a copy of the scriptures, the words will be on the screen behind me and then also online. Oh, and by the way, welcome online. I know we had technical difficulties last week and you couldn't find us because we weren't out there. They're online in both services today. So, so glad that you're with us there. But Daniel 5 verse 1, and uh, what we're about to read is a really, really bad night in Babylon. Now, if you've been with us in this series, you know that Babylon uh, really is an illustration, an example of what we're in today, present day. And so Babylon back then is an evil world. Today, I think we can all agree, we won't agree on everything, but I think we can all agree we're living in an evil world. And so this is a really bad night in Babylon. And even though you've maybe had some bad nights in your past, this one was way worse. So Daniel chapter five, verse one, here's what it says. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So if you're keeping track, these are cups now from the church building that they're using. Verse three, so they brought in those cups that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem and the kings and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods. Notice it's a little G. They praised the little G gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, somebody shouts suddenly. That's a good preaching word right there. Suddenly, so things are about to get turned up a notch, about to get crazy. Very famous story, verse five. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote and his face turned pale. And yours would too, by the way. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees started knocking. The, the king's like, what was in this drink? Like, what proof was this? What is going on? Now, we're gonna stop there for a moment, but hold your place in your Bible app, your Bible. Keep it open, we'll get back to the story here in a moment. But if you're taking notes, I'm gonna borrow from the text and try to do this often uh, for my title. So if you're taking notes, jot this down. Here's my title today, The Writing on the Wall. Now you've heard that saying before, and this is actually where it originated. Maybe you didn't know that, but the writing on the wall. As you hold your place and jot that down, close your eyes with me. Lord, thank you for what you did in first service and thank you, God, for what you're already doing in this service. Thank you for your people. It's so exciting what you're doing amongst us. And so I pray, God, for every single one, those in the room and those watching online, even those that are listening to the Spanish translation live right now, I pray, God, that you would speak. I pray, God, that you would move. Even for maybe some that this is a familiar story, I pray, God, that you, you'd speak a fresh word. And, and maybe you're not even a new word, but the same word on repeat because it needs to get deeper into our souls. And so I pray, God, you speak because of me, but also in spite of me. And again, we're thankful for our Strohs doing work last night. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. If they make it all to the series again, maybe we even do like some, some watch parties or something. I don't know. But awesome what God is doing there. Plus, Texans got our first win last week. Praise God. Praise God. We're still last in the league, but praise God. Anyways, <laughs> uh, but this story in the Bible, um, this, this story is just awesome. And uh, if I haven't pointed this out recently to you, let me say it now. Uh, the Bible isn't boring. The Bible is exciting. Like, I know you think you need a new show to binge watch on Netflix. Like, like you just need more Bible in your life. Why do drugs when you can do the scriptures? I'm just saying, like, there's some awesome stuff that goes down in the Bible. And, and here in chapter five, uh, some time has passed since what we covered last week, just to kind of give you some context. Now, last Sunday's message, uh, the king we were talking about was King Nebuchadnezzar, and he is now dead. And so this king, King Belshazzar, is one of his descendants, as we read. And this current king, he's a partier. Like, you could picture him like a frat bro, okay? Like, he loves his ragers. He loves his keg stands, okay? That's where this king is at. And really what he's trying to do is he is trying to look tough on the outside because he's super insecure on the inside. And that's happening still today, isn't it? People walk into a room acting like they're the best and the brightest, but really they're trying to mask how insecure they feel on the inside, right? They're trying to act like there's somebody that they're not. That's what's happening with this king. You see, King Belshazzar knew what you need to know, that his kingdom was coming to an end. There's some scholars that even believe that at this very party, the kingdom was already surrounded by their enemies, that they were already there hiding in the shadows. But regardless, his kingdom was about to come to an end, and he knew it. And so what is he doing? He is trying to self-medicate. He's trying to make the pain go away. He's trying to numb his feelings. And don't you think that's still happening in 2022, by the way? We are so over-medicated, got prescriptions for things that we don't really need prescriptions for. We, we are trying to go to the bottle, whether it's pills or alcohol, these substances, and, and we make excuses for it. Well, I deserve this. Well, if, if their life was as hard as mine, then they would be okay with this too. And we do all this stuff to try to numb the pain. And that's what's happening with this king. And so in the middle of this rager, this roaring party, they start using stuff from the church for it. They're like, you know what? My red solo cup was good a moment ago, but I need something different now. And so what do they do? They get the golden goblets, the silver goblets from the church building back in Jerusalem. Remember that was God's city where they took all those young men from and they start to go to the church things to use for their adult beverages. In our context, this would be like you having a barbecue, celebrating late last night for the Astros win, and you run out of cups, so you're like, I got a great idea. I'm gonna break into the church building and steal those little communion cups. Not a great idea, by the way, uh, for multiple reasons, including that they're way too small, okay? Just say it. But like, you shouldn't do that. It's not a good idea, but he thought it was a good idea. And to make matters worse, what does he have everybody do? Thousand people plus. They start praising and worshiping these false little G gods. Gods of gold and silver and the like. And this is when, we read all this, this is when the floating hand enters the scene. 
I don't know what you picture, but I picture like Thang from Adam's family back in the day. But regardless of what it was, there is a hand appears, and we actually find out later it was the hand of God, and it writes this message on the wall. And before we get to what was written, before we get to the meaning, and we will get to all of that, there's a lesson right here, right now, and I hope and pray you will take it to heart. Here's the first lesson. Number one, we find out here that we should never make light of what God has made heavy. I'm gonna preach it hard today, and I hope you'll receive this, because this is stirring in my heart, and it's what God wants to show us, that, that we should never make light of what God has made heavy. We should not and we cannot, check this out, take things that are holy and treat them unholy. To take things that are holy and treat them unholy. And this principle is obviously way bigger than using communion cups for shot glasses, okay? It's way beyond that. You see, this king had gotten way too comfortable with just doing whatever he felt like doing in the moment. And does that not scream 2022? Why'd you do that? Because I felt like it. Why'd you say that? Because it felt good in the moment. That's what's happening with this king. He's doing whatever he wants to do, even if it's spitting in the face of God. And really, there is major pride, major arrogance taking place. This king is making light of what God has weighed heavily. And in this story, I just want to take us back to a, an honest and authentic place. As we read this story and as I preach this message, here's what I know happens. is so often when we hear a message from God's word, we don't relate to the villain, but we try to relate to the hero. And that's probably happening in your mind right now. Well, I would never do that, Pastor. I, I, I'm going to stick to my solo cups, you know. <laughs> I ain't never going to do that. If you're thinking that, you're missing the point. Because the truth is, if we're not careful, we can look more like King Belshazzar than Daniel, who we've been talking about in this series. There's pride and arrogance that can sometimes rise up from the inside of all of us. And you got to be honest about that. There's things in your life, maybe that's why it's real quiet right now, but there's things in your life that you know God has deemed heavy, but you've been treating it lighter than you should. You've gotten too comfortable in some areas. COVID brought a lot of bad stuff and, and there's still people that get COVID. We got people in our church that, that have gotten it recently and they're at home, they're watching online, okay? So don't be worried about who you're sitting next to. It's still an issue, I get that. But one other negative thing that nobody's talking about is as Christians, we have gotten way too comfortable with holy things and we started to treat them in an unholy way. We, we got way too flippant with our faith. Yeah, I'm gonna live for God today because it's Sunday, but tomorrow it's gonna be its own day. And we're, we're picking and choosing. Yeah, we're wearing sweatpants on the outside, but some of us here, we're wearing sweatpants on the inside. It's real casual with things that God says, no, 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 that's holy. That's got some weight to it. And again, this can happen to all of us. So this isn't just this king. This can be all of us living in Babylon. There's, there's, there's areas in our lives that we get way too comfortable, that we take things for granted. I'll say it to you this way. When you have a lot of something, you can easily take it for granted. When you got a lot of something, you can take it for granted. And we are, we are spoiled rotten here in America 
access to all that we have access to, and it's easy to take things for granted. This is true spiritual, but also just in life in general. I'll give you a couple examples of that. Uh, if someone, for example, and I'm not preaching to anybody like this, at least I don't think, but if, if somebody, for example, has got billions of dollars, if they, if they got a, a lot of money, I mean, generational, generational wealth, okay? If they got billions of dollars, how many of y'all know, because they got a lot of money, uh, they're probably not paying attention to their light bill, right? Like, they're not concerned about it. I, I mean, like, that's just where they're at. Now, for everybody else, you and me, who are, our, our money is not infinite, it is definitely finite. <laughs> for all of us, we're being real careful, especially right now. Uh, y'all, y'all got y'all's bill not too long ago, just like I did, Right? And what'd you do after you got your bill? We're gonna have to make some changes in our house. <laughs> I don't know if you're like us, but we're like, you know what? Lights are not only gonna be out in other rooms that we're not in, but we're gonna turn out the lights in our rooms sometimes that we're in. It's mood lighting, baby, you know? Like we're just setting the atmosphere. Is anybody else like that? You're like, man, like we gotta be a little bit careful. Let's put a lamp on instead of the lights overhead. Like maybe y'all bougie and y'all got lots of money, but for, for a lot of us, man, like we, we gotta be careful like for me and, and my family, we, we got rules in our house with our thermostats. Anybody else got some rules like that? Okay, if you don't, you should. Like, like we got rules that, 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 that it can't be less than 75 during the day. Some of y'all are like, well, that's way too generous, pastor. Who, who's got to keep it over 75 in your house? Anybody? Okay, several of you, all right? Y'all teach me some things. In our house, we got grace, okay? <laughs> but, but, but it's not, it can't be under 75 during the day. I remember growing up, my mom and dad were in first service, uh, and, and they don't even remember saying this, but I remember them saying this all the time, especially during the summer when you're not, not in school. Like, I, I would open up the door to the outside, and I'd leave the door open. Why? Because I wasn't paying their electricity bill. And I leave it open, and what do you think they shout at me? Son! You know, usually when they use your full name, you're in trouble. Ryan Thomas Weems, what are you doing? We ain't trying to pay for air conditioning for the entire neighborhood. Anybody's parents say that to you? Anybody say that to your kids? Yeah. And now I'm, it's just continuing in our family. I'm yelling at our kids all the time, taking our dog outside. Y'all know that dog that we've still got? Yeah, we still got it. Taking that dog outside to go poop and pee. Shut that door. What are you doing? You know, money doesn't grow on trees, all the ridiculous stuff. Like, but that's just what it is. What, what are you saying? When you, when you have too much of something, you can easily take it for granted. But if you don't have a lot, then it's easier to understand the value there. Here's another example I thought of just in life in general. Uh, coming up this November, so next month, uh, my family and I will be here five years. We consider ourselves a Houstonian. Woo, yeah. Uh, consider ourselves Houstonians. One time I said Houstonites, and then somebody pointed out that's not how you say it. It's Houstonians. So I, I learned that. Um, and so we consider ourselves Houstonians, like, like we were born here. And uh, we love being here. In fact, two of our three kids were born here. Um, but one thing that we've learned about Houston is people from Houston, and, and I've talked to a lot of you in this service about this, uh, but people in Houston for the most part, do not like Galveston. And I'm gonna talk about the city, I'm talking about the ocean, right? Some of you are like, yeah. And, and when I've talked to some of you and even people outside this church, here's what they've said to me. We don't like that mud water, pastor. You're like, we'd much rather go to a lake. We'd much rather, you're like, I'm not gonna drive an hour and 45 minutes stuck in traffic on I-45 trying to get to something that looks way worse than my pool in my neighborhood, right? Like so many people have said this. Well, here's what's interesting about that. And it's still this way for us, even though we've been here almost five years. 
But when people come from the outside of Houston, especially I've got family from the Midwest that they're actually here for a few days, guess where they're going? To Galveston, to the Gulf of Mexico. Why? Because they don't have an ocean by them. They don't have lakes by them. We got so many man-made lakes even here in Texas. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying in life in general, it is easy to take things for granted. We are so blessed. We've got so much going for us. We've got access to so many great things and it's easy to take it for granted. Here's the point. If we're not careful when it comes to spiritual things, the focus of the text, we can treat things lighter than we should. We can treat things in a way that God had never intended. And so we've all gotta be careful. And so I wanna give you a few things practically, things that, that, that I make sure in my own life, now in my perfect no, y'all know this, I, I show you all the issues and struggles. In fact, sometimes I overshare about struggles that I'm going through, but, but I think a lot of people actually relate that. They want a pastor that's like real and not trying to be fake. And so I'm gonna keep doing that. But there's things, three in fact, in my own life spiritually, even though I'm not perfect, that I am real careful not to treat lightly. And I'm just believing, just like in last service, that in this service, the Holy Spirit's gonna convict some people because maybe you've been treating them lightly and God's saying, no, 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 I actually got some weight to these things. Here's the first one, just very practically for my own life. My relationship with God, I am not gonna treat lightly and neither should you. I'll say it to you this way. I take God seriously, I don't take myself seriously. And so I, I, I can laugh and I can share you all like the stories and the issues. And, and when I you know, make goofs, like I'll, I'll let you know, and we laugh and, and like, I'm not gonna take myself seriously, but I am gonna take God seriously. I believe God is real. I believe God is the one true God and I'm not gonna take him lightly. I'll say it to you another way. I'm not worshiping anything or anyone other than the one true God. I'm not doing it. Other people can make their decision and they can go to one place to worship and one place the next week, they can say, oh, it's all relative. That's absolutely incorrect, by the way, but they can do what they wanna do, but I'm not gonna treat it that way. There are certain things that I'm going to do and certain things that I will not do because it goes against God's standards in his word. I'm committed. I wonder, are you committed? Are you taking your relationship with God seriously? Because you should. You can read cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, and everywhere in them, I'm telling you, you need to take God seriously. Are you committed to him? Here's another one for me that I hope that the Holy Spirit will speak to you on, is my time with God. It's my relationship with God, I'm not gonna treat it light. And my time with God, it's a big deal to me. I'm talking about reading the Bible and prayer. I'm talking about going to church every single week. The average church attender, it's driving pastors crazy here in America because we are so spoiled and we can watch the best pastors instantly in real time. Like, like some of y'all got 15 pastors you listen to every single week online. And I'm not saying that's bad. But here's what's happened is we have started to treat going to God's house lightly. The average church attender goes once a month, once a month. 
And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here today. I get it. (laughs) And God is growing our church and we're reaching new people. I'm not trying to complain. I'm just saying there's certain things in God's word, reading the Bible, prayer, going to church every single week, that they are sacred to God. And so why aren't they sacred to us? You can read the whole Bible. You can't find one verse that says, you know what? When you've read the Bible enough times, you don't have to read anymore. I've read the Bible many times. You won't find one verse that says that. You'll never find a verse in the Bible that says, you know what? You've prayed a lot in your life. You don't have to pray anymore. You're good. You and God, you're good. You won't find one verse that says, you know what? Do, do church on the golf course by yourself. You know, do church like just whenever you want, whenever you feel like it. You won't find one verse. And so what's happened is we have started to treat things lightly that God has said time and time again, this is heavy. This is a big deal. I know something that that we fight against in our house with our kids is if you're not careful, parents, hear me. If you're not careful, your kids' sports and your kids' activities will take over your life. Like they'll take it over. Well, you feel like you're, 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 a, you're an Uber in your house. You know, I'm taking them to soccer. I'm taking them to gymnastics. And if you've got multiple kids like us, it is so easy. You know what we do? We fight back against that. We're like, sorry, honey. So, sorry, man. But like, 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 like you, ain't the, you ain't the boss here. That You ain't running the show. And so we've been very careful with our kids and we're gonna keep fighting against culture that says, you know what? Do whatever your kids want to do. If they wanna do 14 sports plus art, go for it. We ain't doing that in our house. We're gonna have some fun and we're gonna do things, but we're gonna make sure that it doesn't get in the way of their time with God. I'm preaching way better than you responded today, but I'm gonna keep preaching stronger anyways. My relationship with God, I'm not gonna treat it light. My time with God. I'm not gonna treat it like, find me one verse that says otherwise. You won't, by the way. Here's another another one, the third one. My relationship with God, my time with God. Next one is my calling from God. What I'm doing right now, it matters. It matters. I could be doing other things, but I wanna be here. I love my calling. It's not easy, and I've shared recently that what I'm doing is not natural for me, but thank God we serve a supernatural God. And so our calling, it, it matters. I wanna tell you, so many of you that serve and, and you give, it matters. It really does. Like, like you should not take it lightly. If you're not serving, you need to get involved. It's a big deal. Leading people to Jesus is a big deal. What happens inside this building and outside this building, it's a big deal. We don't treat it lightly. It matters for eternity. Does anybody believe that? That what we do for God matters for eternity. Maybe not many of us. I hope it'll be more in the days to come, but this matters right now. I'm not here to make you feel good or bad. I'm here to preach God's word as strong as I can. Why? Because it's my calling from God. And whatever your calling from God is, you need to lean into it. You need to press into it. No more excuses. Well, I got burned before. I ran 14 ministries before and I I can't do it any longer. I retired from my job. Yeah, retire from your job. You never retire from ministry. God's always got more for you. And we're gonna find that out in this story. So our relationship with God, our time with God, our calling from God, we've got to stop treating it lightly. It's a big deal. And if we treat it lightly, we end up like this king just doing whatever we wanna do when we feel like doing it. And that's not the way that God has called us to. 
And so I'm challenging you, let's never make light of what God has already made heavy. All right, back to Daniel 5, if you still got it open. If you kept reading in Daniel 5, you would see that the writing is now on the wall. It's where we ended. And the king, he is quickly sobered up. Like, like, like he is like, what is going on here? And so he's like, I got to figure this out. And what you would read is that he grabs every sorcerer he can in his kingdom. And if you've been around this series, you know they had a lot of them. There's a long list that we read, I believe it was week number one, of the magicians and the satraps and all the different traps and so many people that are there to try to figure out these puzzles and solve these riddles. And really it was witchcraft that they were doing. As the king, he brings in these sorcerers and here's what he says. He's like, hey, if you can figure out what that says on the wall and what it means, I'm gonna give you three things. I'm gonna give you money, power, and fame. How many of y'all know that's still what the world is offering people? Money, power, and fame. He's like, hey, not only do you get all that stuff, but that power aspect, he says, I will make you third in the kingdom. Third, if you can solve this riddle. Well, of course, they can't figure it out. And obviously they were very motivated too. I'm thinking, could they not even just make something up? But they were so, so just perplexed by it. They couldn't figure it out. And then in steps one of the queens. And she steps onto the scene now and she's like, I know King, you can't figure this out. I know all your sorcerers, all their spells, all their stuff, they can't figure it out. She says, but I know a guy that can figure it out. And his name is Daniel. He has helped us before and he will help us today. Now, here's what's awesome about Daniel in this season of his life. Y'all remember in most of the messages so far, he's been a teenager, a young man. Historians tell us that he is now somewhere in his 80s. Remember, if there is breath in your lungs, there is still purpose on your life. God's got more for you. He's got more for you. And so they bring in Daniel onto the scene and Daniel's been through some stuff He's had different kings over him, and Daniel is bold with this king. And we pick up Daniel chapter 5, verse 22. Daniel's like, I don't need your reward. I don't want your money. I don't want your fake power. I serve the one true God, but I am going to be real with you as I interpret this. Daniel 5, verse 22. He's talking to the king. But you, King Belshazzar, his sons, he's referring to Nebuchadnezzar, his son, you have not humbled yourself, though you knew all of this. So he's saying, King Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself. You haven't done it. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you and your, you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines. If you don't know what a concubine is, look it up. Google it at your own peril, okay? It ain't good. They drank wine from them. You praise the little G gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, stone, which cannot see, cannot hear, cannot understand. I don't think he's sugarcoating anything, is he? I think some of us need to say some more firm stuff, some more bold stuff. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life. I love that verse. You need to know that today. You don't hold your own life in your hand. God holds your life in my life in his hand in all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand. It is from God. 
He sent the hand that wrote the inscription. And this is the inscription that was written. So here is the meaning. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. And here's what it means. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. And we're going to read at the end, or we would read if we finished all of chapter 5, that it ends that night. He has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. And Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Now, I don't know if you picked this up, but like this is an epic moment from Daniel. Remember, he is talking to the most powerful person in the kingdom. And yet he's not afraid, he's not scared. Why? Because he doesn't really serve that king, he serves the king of kings. Can't you tell at this moment in Daniel's life, and those that are seasoned in life, we need this from you. But, but he's been through so much, I'll say it this way, this ain't Daniel's first rodeo, okay? He's been through some stuff, he stood strong before, and so he is standing bold, and he's saying it like, like he's saying it like he sees it. And we need that from seasoned saints, not to be mean, but to be bold, to be brave, to say, I ain't worried about offending people in this PC culture that I'm gonna stand for truth. Is anybody hearing me today? Is this thing on? I don't know. Like, is it on in the back? Can you make sure I'm on? I know I'm loud, but I need it on. Like, we need some people that will stand up, again, not be mean, but to be bold. Daniel's like, I don't care anymore about, oh, I gotta make sure that I don't hurt your feelings. I'm gonna tell you what God wants you to hear. I, I'm, I'm gonna tell the truth. I'm gonna do it in love, but I'm gonna tell the truth. And so Daniel steps in, and this will preach right here. Here's my second and last point. Daniel knew this core. Number two, God doesn't just write on walls. He speaks to hearts. Daniel believed this, hook, line, and sinker. He's like, I know I'm in my 80s now, but God's not done with me. And it's so cool because Daniel's not even in the story until this point. Daniel's like the closer. Daniel's like Jeremy Pena in the 18th inning last night, you know? It's like, when you need somebody to step up, that's an Astros player. Nobody caught that, I guess. But like, like that, that's who he is. He's like, call me in. And he was ready to hear from God and to obey what God has called him to do. I wonder, are you ready to hear from God and to obey what he wants you to do? I'll tell you this. And this ain't in my notes, but y'all got me stirred up. I'm gonna preach twice as hard. I gotta make up the difference for y'all, okay? If y'all if y'all respond better, I don't have to preach this hard, but I'm gonna give it everything, all right? So listen up, please. Hear this. Gotta get in your face a little bit. This is a big deal. God still does supernatural things, and he still speaks to people. And you're like, he hasn't spoken to me. He is speaking, you're just not listening. And so you gotta open up your heart. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. I don't care how short the time has been. Yeah, God will write on the wall every once in a while. It happens one time in scripture right here. But way more than that, he will speak to your heart and he'll put an impression on you and you'll debate him a little bit, maybe like I do. And you may try to push it off for a little while, but it just keeps coming time and time again until you finally give up and say, you know what, that is God and I'm gonna do what he wants me to do. Some of you, God has been speaking the same word for a year and you're like, God, I want a new word. And God's like, nah, you need to obey the first word. 
I want a new word, Pastor. I want a new word. I want a fresh word. Give me something new. Make me feel something. Give me the goosebumps, Pastor. Because no, 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 no. You had not got the last word yet. You got to hear it and you got to respond. God still speaks. And maybe you don't believe that. But I'm hoping you're going to start believing that today, that he will speak to you. Good, sound theology. Every theologian will tell you this. And I am not one, you know that. But everyone will tell you a solid theologian. The good theology is God is always speaking. So often we pray, God, would you speak to me? God, would you speak to me? That's actually a theologically incorrect prayer. The theologically sound prayer, correct prayer, is God help me to hear what you're saying. The problem is not with God speaking or not speaking. The problem is with our ears. That's why I did a whole message on this in our series before. And you even asked that question because we've got to be open to the voice of God. He still does the supernatural. I wanted to share this illustration with you for a while about a missionary, and I'm going to share it right now. Hopefully it will stir your heart because I feel so much pushback in this service. I don't know if there's something spiritual going on with some people, but, but I'm going to press through. But there's a story I've been wanting to share for a while, a missionary in South India, a true story. And he had gotten to a point that, that I haven't gotten to yet, and maybe you haven't either. But he hadn't gotten to a point to whatever he felt like God was saying to him, just that still small voice, that impression, whatever he felt like God was saying, he, he would obey. And that is a great place to be, but I'm not there all the way. Like I alluded to earlier, a lot of times I'm like pushing back with God. Like, are you sure, God, that you want me to do that? And then eventually I'm like, I, I give in. But this missionary got to a point where even the weird things, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. And so it was one night in South India, he was sleeping and he was, he was woken up in the middle of the night. Wasn't because he was having a bad dream. Wasn't because he was struggling with sleep. He really felt like it was God. Which by the way, I'm trying to teach myself this that when you're like woken up in the middle of the night and it's not because of sleep or whatever, the question you need to ask God is, God, are you trying to speak something to me? I've gotten to that habit because sometimes he wants you to pray for somebody that's going through something. Sometimes he's got a word for somebody. You need to send him a text. No, it's late or early in the morning. They'll get it when they wake up. So he's woken up in the middle of the night and here's what he felt from God. He felt like God said to him, get dressed quickly leave your house and start running. Now, if that's me, I'm definitely like, that ain't God, because I don't like to run. I'm like, God, can I fast jog, you know? <laughs> but but can, I, can I speed walk, you know? <laughs> but, but, but he's like, okay. And he got to that place. So he put on his clothes, he got out of his house and he starts running. He's in South India. He's really in the middle of nowhere and he is just running. He's like forest run, you know, run forest run. He is running. And as he's running, he's not really hearing anything. So he's just going and eventually he runs underneath a, a giant tree huge tree and right when he runs underneath it he feels the Holy Spirit to speak to him just that small, still small voice that impression to stop and start preaching so a weird situation got even weirder right why am I running to nowhere in the middle of nowhere in the dark and why am I going to preach to owls and like wildlife you know like do they have a soul God you know all the things that you'd be thinking but he's like I've come this far baby I'm going to preach and so he starts preaching a message and He's preaching to nobody, preaching his heart out. And he gets to the point in the end of the service, which we'll get to very soon. And he gets to the point where a pastor, evangelist, missionary would normally give an altar call, right? Somebody to give them a chance to give their lives to Jesus. And so he's like, all right, I've 
I've already preached the message. Might as well give an altar call. I'm just going to try to obey. I could have missed it, but I'm going to try. And right there in the middle of nowhere, South India, underneath this tree, he gives this altar call. At the end of the altar call, he hears movement above him. Thinks it's maybe an animal. What's going on here? And he looks up and he notices it's not an animal. It's actually a man. The man, he can start to hear him that he is crying. This is a true story. The man is crying. He starts to climb down the tree. They have a conversation. And this missionary realizes that this man actually went to that tree to hang himself. He was about to end his life. And because of that holy epic moment, a man who understood that God still speaks, yeah, he'll run on walls, but he speaks to hearts. And in that moment, he led that Indian man to Jesus. And you'd be led to Jesus too, if that was you, by the way. That's some pretty epic moment. It changed that man's life forever. But none of it would have happened unless there was a missionary in South India that believed hook, line, and sinker that God still speaks. Yeah, he'll write on a wall every once in a while, maybe, like he did it once, maybe not again, maybe he will, but he for sure speaks to hearts. And he is speaking, but are you listening? And I've been thinking about what's happening in our church. And it's just awesome what God's doing. You don't get to hear it all, I get that. But God is doing miracles in this house and, and, and there's just radical salvations. I'm not gonna say names because I haven't asked permission, but what's so cool, and this has been multiple people, it's, it's, it's kind of weird, but it's, but it's cool. We've had multiple people come up to me at different times. It wasn't like all in a group. At different times, they've come up to me and they said, Pastor, it was a Sunday, you know, a month ago, whatever. And I was trying to go to a different church. Like, like I was on my way. And I don't know if I ever should be like offended by that. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. Like I was, they, they're like, I got the GPS in my phone. I am going to another church. And for whatever reason, I ended up at your church, which is not my church, but we get the idea. And when I came, God spoke to me and I gave my life to Jesus and God rocked my life and I've never been the same. Multiple people, he can write on a wall, he'll speak to your heart. Apparently he can take over your GPS. Sometimes when life seems out of control, you gotta be reminded today that God is still absolutely in control. We had somebody else that had been coming to the church for a little bit and they told me the story. Again, I won't give you too many details. I haven't asked their permission, but it's powerful. And they've been going through a lot of stuff. I mean, some heavy, heavy stuff. And one Sunday they were trying to get here but it was almost like there was so many obstacles. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before. It's almost kind of what I was feeling at the beginning of this message, not in first service, but in this service, where there's, there's like a pushback, there's like a wall. It's like, you, it's like you can either kind of retreat, but y'all know I'm not built that way. I'm gonna press in even more. And that's what this family did. And they pressed in even more and, and they got here, but they missed the whole first part of the service. Not, not intentionally, they just, so many things happened. This family told me this with tears in their eyes. They finally got to the service. They had missed all of worship, even the beginning of the message. And the time that they walked in, and I don't even remember saying this, but the time that they walked in, what the Lord led me to say, and this isn't me, this is Jesus, but what the Lord led me to say was exactly what they were going through. 
like exactly to the detail. And this family is crying over our lunch as they're sharing this with me saying, man, God loves me and God knows me. It's not a coincidence. And so maybe you came in today thinking, well, God, I don't know if he speaks anymore. Maybe you came in today believing, you know, all coincidence, dumb luck, fate. All that stuff is man-made words to try to explain the supernatural move of God. And so even in Babylon, even in a fallen world, evil all around us, you can still hear from God. Are you listening? And not only are you listening, but are you following what he's asked you to do? The Holy Spirit's convicting right now. I think we finally pressed through for some of you. So you got to ask the Holy Spirit, what, what, what are you speaking to me today? Have I gotten too light with, with just this holy things? God, have I, have, I been, have I just been using like kid gloves? You know, it's something heavy and something that's got value, but I haven't been treating it that way. Maybe there's pride and there's arrogance. You think you've got it all figured out because you've been in church for a long time and God's saying, no, no, no. There's, some, there's still some things that you can learn. There's still some ways that you can grow. Maybe you're in your 80s or 90s. Maybe you just retired. You know, maybe you retired early. God wants to gently remind you, he ain't done with you. That just like Daniel, as long as there's breath in your lungs, there's purpose on your life, there's more. Are you ready? They may not know to call you in at the very beginning, but you'd be ready to come in. You're the closer, baby. And you come in and you help and you mentor and you guide and you help get people back to the right place. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? I shared this last week and I'll say it again here, but I get to speak one message every single service, but the Holy Spirit can speak hundreds of messages at the very same time. So maybe it's something I'm saying, maybe it's something I'm not saying, maybe you're mad at me, maybe you're not, I don't really care. Honestly, the truth is you are in a moment where you can hear from God. Are you listening? Are you listening? Why don't you close your eyes with me? Jesus, I pray right now that you would unplug our ears to hear from you. We stop praying those wrong prayers. God, would you speak? God, would you speak? God, you are speaking. Help us to hear what you have to say. I pray for those, God, that have been treating holy things in an unholy way. For those that have been treating lightly what you have deemed in your word time and time again as heavy, of great value, may we not treat it lightly any longer. I pray, God, for for anybody underneath the sound of my voice that has been pushing back and pushing back, I pray, God, that they would finally surrender to you and say, God, you, you, you do what you wanna do in my life. I pray, God, for those that have been self medicating. That's somebody in this service. You've been self medicating, you've been trying to numb the pain, you've been going to pills, going to alcohol, maybe even drugs, I don't know, but you've been self medicating trying to act like you're tough on the outside, but you are crumbling on the inside. And God is looking at you right now saying, you don't need that stuff. All you need is him. And in this moment, if you would open up your heart and your life to him, he would heal you. He would set you free. He would do a real deep work in your life. But do you want him to? There's others that you've been pushing off the voice of God. And he's been asking you to do something for a long time and you haven't done it. And you're gonna have to humble yourself. Can I encourage you from my experience? It's way better to humble yourself before God and not have him have to humble you. 
learn from my experience, my mistakes, that in this holy moment, you can humble yourself before God saying, God, I hear you and I'm gonna respond. I'm gonna walk in obedience. I pray God for those that have maybe been on the sidelines, not involved like they used to be, not consistent like they used to be. I pray God that they would step back in the game, realize the value that they have, that we need men and women with some experience that have been through some stuff. It ain't their first rodeo. They have value, they have weight, they have worth. You're not done with them. And I pray God for anybody underneath the sound of my voice in this service, in this room and online, I pray God for anybody that's far from you that today they would surrender their life. God, you're the only one that saves. You're the only one that rescues. You're the one that we need. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus. You're like, well, I'm a good person. That's, that's not good enough. You are not saved by your works or your efforts or your goodness. The only way to salvation is through Jesus, the perfect one. And in this holy moment, you can give your life to him. That's why this church exists, to see people that are far from God to come close. There's another book in the Bible, just eyes closed with me, please. But there's another book in the Bible, Romans chapter 10, verse nine. And really it's, it's the pathway for salvation. It shows us how do you get saved? How do you give your life to Jesus? Makes it very clear, it's not confusing. Romans chapter 10, verse nine says, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's confession that Jesus is the one true God. And it's belief that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. So right now you've got that opportunity. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I just wanna be real with you. But this could be your last moment. Choose wisely. If you're here today and you wanna give your life to Jesus, you can just whisper this to him. He knows you, he sees you. It's not a coincidence that you're here. You tell him this, Jesus, I confess that you are God. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. I put my faith in you and you alone. You've got to ask him this question. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, to clean me up. I hear your voice and I respond to it. I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. And I also give you my future. Thank you, God, for those that are saying that prayer. Thank you, God, for moving in hearts and lives. You still speak. You haven't closed up shop. Help us to be people that hear from you and respond to your voice. Help us to be like Daniel. God, we give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you made a decision for Jesus Christ or if your life has been impacted in any way, please send us an email at info at We would love to hear your story. 
And for those that committed your life to Christ, we want to help you on your new journey by sending our free Start Bible Kit in the mail. If you'd like to partner with us financially, simply click on the Give tab at ChristCove.net. There it will take you to a safe and secure page where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift to help us accomplish our vision, heaven full and hell empty. And as always, you can find out more about Christ Covenant on our website or on Facebook or Instagram at Christ Cove Houston. 